Thank you. You know, uh, I, I told a few jokes this week to people, especially I've said it a, probably a few too many times. It's nice that Evergreen's having a barbecue to welcome me back to church. But uh, <laughs> I, I have been here more than, than that. Um, but uh, yeah. So before I start, uh, I just want you to know I'm, the approach I'm taking today is more of a testimonial type approach because God has been really... It's been a long time since I've shared how God moves in my life and has been working in my life, and it worked with really well with the passage that I, I chose to speak on. So I just want you to know that it, it comes from a heart of I want I would God wants people to hear not just the He wants us to share stories, and our stories are our testimonies, and it involves a, a quite a number of people from this church. We've journeyed together for many years. So trust is my term, the ultimate test of faith, Philippians 2, 12 to 18. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice offering of your faith. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you, sh you also should be glad and rejoice with me. This passage of lights, it's, it's titled Lights in the World, but it comes after the psalm of Philippians, which is the Christ's humility. And... Uh, Christ is so humble, and the humility that it's not about him, that it is it's that he did this so sacrificially, and we need to model that in our life. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. That hit me when I started reading that first, but to trust and obey. This hymn is so resonating with me. When times are tough, we need to trust in Jesus more. We need to let go of our controls and trust that Jesus has it all worked out. So I brought this drinking glass up here, not because I wanted to drink, but because it was my analogy. But then it just doubled up as a, having a drink. So, but as you can see, a drinking glass is clear. You can see inside. Nothing is hidden. It is transparent. You can trust that you can see clearly what's inside, and the structure allows it. Now, your glass gets cracked. It starts to leak, and you can't see clearly through it because you've ran it through the dishwasher 50 times, and it's just not cleaning it out. Your trust in that glass is less. Then it breaks, pieces fall off, and it holds less. It like wears down a bit. But it's, then it's truly lacking that unwavering trust that you had, that you could get a drink of. See, trust is only as good as the glass is built, is this analogy. Well, guess what? In our life, Jesus is the glass because he is transparent. He is trustworthy. He's not able to be broken because he's unbreakable. We always know what we are getting. 
Jesus is the rock, as Psalm 118.22 says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He never changes. He does not crack. He is worthy to build our life and relationships on. This talk about trust is because we are called in verse 12 to obey. But what does it mean to obey? It means we hear what God is telling us to do and act in obedience to his instruction. How does God talk to you? That's been something I've journeyed with many years of how does God talk to us? And each person, he talks to you. It's how do we listen? Because communication's two ways. One way is the Word of God, the Bible. Another way is the Holy Spirit through personal leading. And the third way is through biblical community, as in the church, discerning and agreeing or disagreeing, but helping you build into your faith. Do you know these three all should work in unison? All three should be easily working together. The personal leading should be confirmed in the biblical community and be in line with what the Word of God says. So my questions are, are we listening to God or do we create a structure that only allows so much of God to be shared? Do we place limits on God? Do we put our comfort ahead of what God is saying? So obeying God is trusting unwaveringly, unwaveringly in your established and growing transparent relationship with God. I have several stories of God showing through his direct leading. One example is when I felt God nudging me to give away an umbrella I had in the middle of a rainstorm. I was driving down the street, and it was pouring rain. Like, it was one of those rains where at the corner of 3 and 24, you end up with six feet of rain. It was that hard. And uh, I wasn't coming down 3 and 24, but I was coming down another street, and I saw a person walking without an umbrella, and they were just getting soaked. At that exact moment, God told me, you have an umbrella in your trunk, give it to him. I decided, it's raining, I don't want to get wet, and I didn't do it. But two minutes later, down the road, I felt the disappointment that I was not listening to God. So I turned around, went back to do it, but it was too late. That person was already gone. I always, this happened like almost 20 years ago. I always wonder what God had in store for that moment or if it was just me. But that experience has always left me waiting on the Lord for other opportunities that I won't be slow to say yes to. Because when we fail to obey what God wants us to do, he uses someone else in that spot for the blessing. Do we want to do what the Lord has for us, or do we want to just be spectators? For the past 15 years, I have been sitting back in more of a spectator role in church ministry. I could exist and do my ministry and be very territorial and safe. I was not willing to truly trust that the Lord had something more for me to do. Over the past two years, we have embarked on running a junior high pro group. I have been present in this group each week, and I have witnessed tremendous growth. We launched a new program called Teen Link Wellness, teaching kids about mental health first aid and all this stuff. And 
mental healthy relationships in just walking along and, and discipleship ministries. Through these programs, though, I am finding that I'm sharing my faith more, being more involved and getting more vision and excitement to do ministry. One of the first things I learned in ministry is that God can't direct and move a stationary bicycle. You have to be active and do things for God to move. So with the movement, I also started to pray for more staff. If YFC Norfolk is going to see every young person living fully in Jesus Christ, we need to pray and recruit more workers. With our junior high program on Wednesday evenings, we are in need of volunteers. This fall, I am running it, the junior high program, with only volunteers. We have decided that our staff, we have to divide up. We need female leaders and male leaders, snack to, people to do snacks, and just a great team of volunteers that want to come together and work together and speak into the lives of grades six, sevens, and eights. The reason I say this is, this is one of Evergreen's ministries, we, our junior high program, we, we encouraged the church when we did not have a pastor to send our junior highs to this program. And I've got to work with the three lover boys it's been a fabulous journey. But, uh, the, but I've got to work with Meredith and Olivia. There's so many. I just don't want to miss any of them. But uh, so, it's so awesome to work with these kids and pour into their lives. And it, does, and it comes back, and, and it's so fruitful to, for it to come back. But this community of volunteers that work together can make a huge impact. And it's just... It needs to be the community. The church community needs to rise up and do it. And we don't need to just keep hiring staff to do these jobs. Phil Clausen and Lance Visser are some of our, were some of our longest-serving volunteers. As we're celebrating 30 years of YFC Norfolk, and I've been here 20, Phil volunteered, I think, for almost 15. He still sits on our advisory committee. And uh, Lance is still an active volunteer for 20 years. So they, the, the two of them are very... But when we were running our Thursday night drop-in program, it did not exist without Phil and Lance. They were faithful. We knew they were there. The kids looked forward to them being there. The kids invested in their relationships together. It truly was about them. So if you would love to be a volunteer, please schedule time to discuss that with me, and we can get the paperwork done and start serving in late September and you can let me know that you're interested. Another story about how God works. A few months ago, I was sitting in this church uh, on a Sunday morning. During worship, all of a sudden, I had a wave of emotion, a wave of God telling me stuff come into my mind. I had been praying for a staff member who loves the arts, music specifically, Someone who likes marketing was a male because I needed to focus more on leading men, young men in this community who need mentors. This is when the Lord told me to approach Travis. Travis lovers about potentially coming on board as a missionary with Southwestern Ontario Youth for Christ. Upon hearing this from God, I didn't take it just because it's a warm body. I said... <laughs> You know what? I have to really hear if this is God speaking. So I then, I showed, the, I showed my thoughts to Suzanne on my phone right beside me, and she goes, 
yeah, that's interesting. And I was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> just, that's just me saying, okay, what, what are we going to do? i got to check it with someone else. So this is me living it out in community. I then just went, I go, okay, I won't talk to Travis yet. Um, I then went and talked to Eric and uh, asked Eric uh, what he, his thoughts on it was. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. I still didn't take him at his word. Um, <laughs> Eric Lubbers, Travis's dad. And then, and then I, so then I, I ca- called on another mentor of mine and said, hey, what do you think? And they all said, yeah, you should. And I was like, okay. So then I, made, so then I reached out and said, hey, Travis, let's have a coffee. That's all. And then we got together, and we had a, co- we had a, co- we had a coffee. I won't get into, I, w- I won't get... Travis to share about his journey today and the decisions he made because when he is ready to do so, he will share what God is doing and has done in his own life. But as of but through this process, we have both witnessed God moving in and confirming this decision. Travis officially starts working on raising his support as a missionary with Youth Unlimited YFC Norfolk on August 1st. I want you to be aware of this, and I want you to celebrate. Celebrate that you have had a hand in developing a young person who is going into the mission field. Thank you, Evergreen, for investing and partnering with missionaries to see them, to see the ones called from your own church. When we, we were working on the missions restructuring, when we did the church restructuring, one of the purposes of focusing our attention on supporting missionaries was because we wanted to be known, we, we honestly believed we wanted to be a sending church and not just a church that exists. So we made the transits. The one, I, I'm going to share, Travis got to go on a missions trip to Portugal with one of our missionaries. He's been involved with Youth Unlimited. He used to come down and play music in our, in our youth center. There's a picture of him. He's a little smaller back then. Um, and, uh, you know, and he was, he was like, we would have conversations hit, hit or miss, but, it was, it's, but it's all, truly you guys I want to celebrate. This is a great opportunity. And Travis, is, as he goes in this journey, he needs people to support him, pray for him, be a part of him. He, he's going to have to get addresses. So if you have your address and you'd love to, get, to be on his mailing list at some point, just reach out to him and have him. He'll write it down. Right? Sound good? Thanks, Trav. So now let's go back to looking at verse 12. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How do you work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Through trusting and obeying the rock of our faith, Jesus. Do we trust God? Stephen Maltese has spent many evenings at my house having, watching basketball or talking to me while I sleep. One of the two things. We haven't figured out which it is all the time. <laughs> Anyways, I never realized I said this saying so much till he pointed out to me as, and he said, and he goes, oh, quoting Dan Avey. What's the quote, Steve? Trust God. You got it. <laughs> I just can't 
yeah. This, <laughs> this is something I do say, and I try to live with the knowledge in all I do. But in, in what the Lord has played in my heart, in my own life, and in the lives of others, I truly believe that God's got it. This allows you to have the knowledge of peace, joy, and righteousness, which are not feelings, but foundations of our faith. If we have peace, and we have joy, and we have righteousness, we have a faith. They go together, and it's the knowledge of them. They're not feelings. So we need to have that knowledge. Verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So trust in God. We act in obedience to God, and he does the work and is pleased. The only practical actions we have any control over is through trusting and obeying. I am sure this is a challenge for you and every one of us. I have been asked to do some hard things over the years. We all have. Just God uses those who are willing to be used. We always are asked to step out in faith. God wants to build our faith and not us just sit still. Over the past couple of years, God has moved two of my closest friends who I would always use as protection for myself. And the one being Jeff and the other Brent. These two men would always know what to say, how to keep me from blowing up. I was, accountable to the, I was accountable to them. As you know, God moved them both away from me, and now I have to stand on my own. I can call them and reach out from time to time, but I know that God has told me it's time for me to lead. How many people know it's hard for me to speak in the church setting and in public in general? I much rather would be the guy who sits and does the background and planning part of ministry. I love being a dreamer in small groups. I am much more comfortable. However, in planning out my 2023 calendar, I felt God nudging me to aim to preach 12 Sundays this calendar year. I thought it was crazy because over the past three years, I think I'd preached a total of six to eight times combined with most of them being in the previous year. So I said, if I am asked, I won't say no unless it conflicts with another preaching time or as a family time that I want to hold to a priority. So I started in February, and as of today, I am at eight, and I have four more scheduled. I am amazed at how God has orchestrated this. Some of the opportunities are unique, and come from rather uncharacteristic sources. God is good. In faith, I am taking these opportunities to allow him to lead and direct me to speak to those he wants to hear a message. These are some of the ways of obedience in my life I share, and I am sure that each of you has stories of obedience in your life. In verses 14 and 15, do all things without grumbling and questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. My, my friends, I believe this is a hard thing in our North American culture. We don't know how to exist without finding fault, blaming others, or disagreeing. Some people feel called by God to encourage dissension in the church and in life. But this is really dealt with in James 4, verses 1 to 10. What, 
causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So our own selves are causing the fights and dissensions in life. It's our own selfish desires and passions. We love to grumble and complain. Let's just be honest. When was the last time you had a disagreement with someone and owned that you were part of the problem? It's always other people's problems and, the way, and they're treating me unfairly. We all live with a victim mentality. We walk around claiming unjust and unfair treatment. I know I do, but I am making a conscious effort to change this in my own life. I am wanting to admit what I am doing wrong and work at becoming better at life. Why should we as Christians do this? Verse 15 in Philippians 2 says, That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. I feel this is one way that Christians can separate themselves from the world. Every movement out there is claiming oppression and unfair treatment. Even Christians are. 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 12. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which... Persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We as Christians should expect persecution and unfair treatment. It is in these times that God can show himself to others. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We need to be different from the world. The world is crooked and twisted. Christians should not be looking to take advantage of others, but be blameless and innocent. Why should we be this way? Verse 16 to 18 says, Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul was writing that we should rejoice and encourage each other to live like this because this act of showing our faith will bring honor and glory to Jesus. Now I'm going to go back to this glass analogy. Because I need a drink. Our relationships with each other are a glass too. 
Except they do get chipped and broken, smashed, which then needs to be rebuilt, and that involves melting glass and remolding. But it's much easier to retain the original. Every relationship is built on trust. I trust you so I can be transparent and honest and know what I'm getting. I trust my wife so I know what, I know what I'm getting. I trust Phil. Now, I know that's open to interpretation, but I do trust Phil will come through in the end because he always has. But when trust is broken between people, it does not just hurt those that it's involved. It hurts the greater community as because some of the glass shards that fall off, you can step on and get into your foot. There's casualties to the others around you. So that's why the glass analogy is, is strong for me is because, yes, Jesus is the, the true glass, and he is impermeable, perfect. But when our human relationships built on trust, the broken glass, we can smash it. It hurts others around us. It is not just between one-on-one. So, we're, so if we work on protecting trust in our world relationships, it's also about giving light to Jesus. Are you glad and rejoice in your worldly in your worldly worldly relationships, if you have to grumble and complain in your worldly relationships, you probably do with your relationship to God too. So you have to work on this and stop. We have to stop looking at the world. We have to stop looking at what others are doing and feeling that we are victims. We have to stop complaining. We have to start living and rejoicing at who God is. And work on rejoicing on who, we're, who God's surrounding us with. So in summary of what I shared today, through the prayerful obedience of God to, to God, discern through community, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit, we separate ourselves from the world by practicing transparency, owning our part, and being persecuted for our faith, all in for God's glory. The practical application is, one, we have to learn to discern God's voice, to act in obedience through trust in God. By transparently owning our part in conflicts and accepting we are never without fault. And number three is accepting persecution due to our faith as we are to be different from the rest of the world. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for what you have shared today. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this community, and as we have our barbecue today, Lord, I pray that we all bond together, we grow as community, and that we look to the positives, and we lift each other up. God, you, we lift you up, and we just honor you with all our things. In your name, amen.